Hi, everybody. This is Alicia Halliday, and this is the ASF Weekly Science Podcast. Today is April 13th, 2020, and we're going to be talking about resilience. We're all more resilient than we know, but what really does that mean, resilient? Now, resilience could be a trait or a process. Most people think it's a process rather than a trait, but some people have looked at it as a trait. From this perspective, resilience is the ability to maintain or regain mental health and well-being despite experiencing adverse, stressful, or traumatic events or adversity. It means the person has the ability to adapt in the face of tragedy, trauma, adversity, hardship, and significant life stressors. What kind of adverse event? Well, it could be childhood abuse. It could be some sort of assault in adulthood. It could be surviving September 11th. Or it could be having a child with autism during a national public health emergency. It could be having entire systems of care pulled out from underneath you with little warning or acknowledgement or preparation. Resilience can be modified, improved, and predicted by protective factors that guard against a person against the negative impact of these adverse events. And as I mentioned earlier, they can be internal, like certain personality traits or beliefs or even genetics, or it can be external, like social resources in the environment. Typically, though, external factors like the environment and everything that goes with it seem to confer more impact than internal traits. We're going to have a whole webinar about resilience in families with autism in the next couple of weeks. So I want to save a little something. Plus, we're going to have a real expert talking about it in families with autism. There was a meta-analysis published recently that showed that family caregivers with someone in their family with autism showed an association between resilience and psychological distress. That means higher levels of resilience was correlated with lower psychological distress. Better resilience, lower psychological distress. And one significant moderator was social support. So how much support do they get from family, caregivers, the whole system in general. But for today's podcast, I want to share some words of wisdom from someone who has studied and worked with people who are resilient. I think resilience might be a little like pornography. You can't really define it, but you do know it when you see it. There is a scale for resilience for research purposes, and it includes things like ability to cope, resourcefulness, perseverance, willpower, pride, and acceptance. I also want to mention that everyone has an opinion about a resilient parent or how to build resilience in your kids. It's like the old saying, opinions are like mouths, everyone has one. I've seen editorials from everyone from licensed psychologists who have something to say about it to Sheryl Sandberg, who is at Facebook. So how do you get resilience? How do you become resilient? Carol Kaufman is a founder of the Institute of Coaching and an assistant professor at Harvard Medical School. Before becoming a leadership coach, she spent many years as a a psychologist specializing in survivors of trauma. She actually studied and published on how people came back from the Boston Marathon after bombing. So that was a pretty traumatic event. The first trait was called willpower. The second way is called way power. Way power is having a goal, the commitment to reach it, and the ability to think through multiple pathways to that goal. For example, when plan A fails, you have plans B, plan C, plans D in the hopper, and that way you're far more likely to survive. 
What does this have to do with managing fear? Everyone needs multiple pathways to deal what's going on. Not every pathway is going to work for the same person. For example, if you're not offered services through telehealth, call your insurance provider, call your doctor, and harass them for services for telehealth. And if that doesn't work, try and see what sorts of online resources are available to help your child with whatever they're suffering from. So she actually gives examples of five different paths. She gives examples based on marathoners, but I think a lot of parents are actually in a marathon. And I'm hardly a Marianne Williamson type who can write a book about these things, and that's why I turn to an expert. So take these five things as options in no particular order, or do all of them. So the first one is control your breathing and physiology. Slow your breath, pulling the air deeper inside to increase the oxygen levels in your blood. This will help counter the cortisol and other anxiety during physiological reactions. If you're really having problems, do some rapid rest recovering cycles. 10 second breaks help. Three slowed breaths in a roll can help you downshift. And at times, fear can just be so overwhelming. How do we manage fear? Well, emotions seem to hit us in waves. When you can't stop it, ride it out. Don't thrash in the water. Water can hold us up. Let the waves pass. Let it go through you. Don't try to fight your grief, your anger, your frustration, your sadness. Accept it. These are all okay feelings. Fear is uncomfortable, but it can't kill you. Try not to spread your fear to everybody else. And the other thing is when you see something, when you experience fear or anxiety or depression, name it. Talk about what it is. If you know that you're experiencing anxiety and fear, tell yourself that's what's going on. The next thing is win the inner game. Parts of you are in distress and in a high fear state. Find a deeper part of you that can be compassionate to the parts of you that are afraid. 100% of you may not be in distress and in fear. You may be able to dig down deep. And be aware of your inner dialogue. Talk to yourself as you would a friend or your child. If you were experiencing something and you were your friend, what would you tell yourself? Don't be nasty to yourself. Be compassionate. And also find a mantra or a phrase or sentence you can repeat over and over again. It might be as simple as, I'll be okay, or we're tough, or we're going to make it through. Also, pace yourself through the race and finish and win. Don't go all out and keep your reserves. Don't feel like you need to be spending a thousand percent of your time during this next week, because we're in this for the long haul. You've got to pace yourself and make sure that you're able to help yourself and your family, not just this week, but the week after. And learn to expend only the energy you need. You can recover by relaxing. Rely on each other. When you're tired, let someone else, like a partner or another friend or a family member, take the lead and give yourself a break and reduce your stress a little bit. Also, you can connect with deeper values and purpose. We're all in this whole situation together and it can make us more connected. Appreciate when you're at your best. Accept the challenge when you let it slip and when you slip again. And remember what really matters. Live it. We have never faced anything like this before, but we're going to get through it. 
You need to give yourselves a break. Realize that no one is perfect and no one is expecting you to be perfect. Don't think about what you cannot do. Think about what you can do. Okay, those are a lot of words, and they may or may not be applicable to people and family members affected by ASD, including caregivers. So I'm going to turn to an expert on resilience, Meng Chuan Lai from University of Toronto, to weigh in on a podcast next week. Just like everything, though, there's an acronym on how to manage stressful situations. It's called STOP. Stop what you're doing, relax in the moment, take a few deep breaths, observe your experience just as it is. Naming your emotions can actually help you deal with them better. And then proceed. As the stress response starts to calm, think, what should I be paying attention to? These are all things to help you manage stress in the moment. They may or may not make you resilient in the long term. I think if you don't have a trait, then you're going to have to learn and make sure that it's a process in your life. I really hope you listen to this webinar and not just listen to me and my advice about managing stress or managing panic situations. Meng Chuan Lai is someone who is a psychiatrist and who's dealt with this before. And so you should come with your questions. The webinar will be April 22nd at 2 p.m. EST. Thanks for listening this week.